Imagine this. What if your brain wants to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk, pun intended, with you? What would your brain say? I have a feeling that your brain would say, I am stressed out, I am burned out, I am jaded, and hopefully not depressed. But in our lifestyle today, I think if the brain could only speak to us, probably he would say those words. What do you think? Hello everyone, Jay again here for another episode of Jay Walking, a podcast where we discuss things that really matter in our life so that we could cross the road from superficiality to a life of meaning and wisdom. Thank you Lord for book sales and shout out to Big Bad Wolf Books because much of the things that I will share to this episode came from a book I bought during their book sale if you're not familiar of big bad wolf by the way they they did not sponsor this episode but my fingers are crossed that i will have sponsors so uh again much of the things that i will share to you in this podcast came from a book i bought during their sale so big bad wolf if you are not familiar they're actually a a Malaysian book fair and frequently held in Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, and of course, in the Philippines. And the book that I am talking about is entitled How God Changes Your Brain, Breakthrough Findings from a Leading Neuroscientist. The authors of the book are Andrew Newberg, MD. He is the Director of Research at the Mirna Bryant Center of Integrative Medicine and Professor of Emergency Medicine and Radiology at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia. And he is also a board certified in internal medicine, nuclear medicine, and nuclear cardiology. Wow, those titles are out of this world. The other author, Mark Robert Waldman, is on the faculty of the College of Business, Loyola Marymount University, Los Angeles. These credible authors are all specialists in their own field, so I find this book very compelling and authoritative in terms of uh, the connection of the brain, our cognitive processes, to the spiritual world. Because uh, if, you, if you want to have the physical copy of the book, you will notice that much of their writings actually talked about the connection of the brain to the spiritual world and the reason why i want to share to you this book because their result the result of their studies i find it very relevant and very helpful for our time today for the people today i i have a feeling i have a feeling that the results of their study should be known to many people so in the eighth chapter of their book they actually talked about guess what this is the title of this episode exercising your brain eight ways to enhance your physical mental and spiritual health 
So, I will share to you the eight ways to exercise your brain. So, are you excited to listen? Stay with me as I share to you the eight ways to enhance your physical, mental, and spiritual health. And the eighth best way to exercise your brain, guess what? It is to smile. Yes, to smile. I remember I, I remember when I was still teaching in the grade school way back in a few years back, I had this student, a very cute student. She said to me, Sir, why do you always smile? And I was struck by that question of, of hers because, uh, I don't know, maybe... Uh, it was just nature for me to just smile and and show to them that I am a happy person. At least I don't know if that is still true today. Uh, I'm still teaching today, and I hope that people will recognize that and would still see that I am still smiling. But yes, the eighth best way to exercise your brain is to really smile, and even if you don't like it. Just the mere fact that you are smiling could could brighten your mood. Or at least it could show a positive disposition in life. Okay? And according to the book, according to the book, that um, smiling repetitively helps to interrupt mood disorders and strengthen the brain's neural ability to maintain a positive outlook on life. And even if you fake a smile, but I'm not encouraging you to fake a smile, a genuine smile could brighten someone's mood. So, according to the book again, other people will respond to you with greater generosity and kindness if you always smile. So, uh, I, I also remember one time, and I was in on a mission. I was a catechist. I was teaching. One of my main rule in the classroom is that everyone should smile at least, even if you're just faking it. But a smile again could lighten up the day. Could lighten up everyone. But based on research and according to the book, and I quote, smiling stimulates brain circuits that enhance social interaction, empathy, and mood. In fact, smiling has such a powerful effect on the brain that if you just see a picture of smiling face, you will involuntarily feel happier and more secure. Conversely, frowning or looking at frowning faces stimulates feelings of anger, disgust, and dislike. End of quote. And that explains why maybe we would rather want to be with people who smile than to be with grumpy, angry, always frowning people. I remember the words of Saint Mother Teresa. She said that, Let us always meet each other with smile. For the smile is the beginning of love. Yes, uh, and I, I believe that's true. That smile really uh, is an act of love. Yes, especially if that smile is a genuine smile, an authentic smile, okay? But here's, here's an observation, and I think I share the same sentiment with Father James Martin S.J., who wrote the book Between Heaven and Mirth. Uh, his observation is that why we seldom see saints 
and statues or pictures or icons of the saints smiling or even the picture of Jesus smiling. If the research would say that when we look at a picture or a statue that's smiling could give us positive positive um, feeling, why is it that in some churches, into some religious places, why do we see grumpy statues or or pictures of saints that aren't smiling? Are we downplaying joy? Are we downplaying smile in our faith? Hmm, I think that's one thing, okay? If you want to know more about smiling and and joy and humor in terms of the spiritual world, you could also go and read Father James Martin's book. It's an incredible book, Between Heaven and Mirth. And his observation, again, is that um, I think we also need to have another perspective of smile in terms of our faith. Yes, because again, when we see a, because this is what we see always in churches. We see Jesus, suffering, passion. Of course, that's important because that's the center of our faith, the passion of Jesus. But on the other hand also, I think we also need to highlight a picture, a scene of Jesus smiling to us. Well, imagine Jesus smiling to us. How? good would that be right so okay and uh again that's the eighth best way to exercise your brain smile as the pro as the book of proverbs would say in chapter 15 verse 30 it says a cheerful look brings joy to the heart so smile you might inspire someone today through your smile And now we go to the seventh best way to exercise your brain. And the seventh, guess what? Stay intellectually active. Yes, stay intellectually active. If you were able to listen to your science teacher when she discussed about the parts of the brain, when your lesson was all about the nervous system, you might be able to relate to this because I want to share to you this point. The book said, and I quote, When it comes to the dendrites and axons that connect one neuron to thousands of others, if you don't use it, you will lose it. Intellectual and cognitive stimulation strengthens the neural connections throughout your frontal lobe, and this in turn improves your ability, guess what, to communicate, solve problems, make rational decisions concerning your behavior. The author also suggests that we need to involve ourselves more on memory exercises, strategy-based games, like for example, uh, chess maybe. And uh, these games or visual spatial exercises can significantly develop and improve our cognitive functioning, especially to older adults. Okay? And again, uh, further intellectual stimulation in nearly any form lowers your propensity to react with anger or fear. That's according to the research, right? And also one 
way to stay intellectually active is to always use our imagination. Okay? Because according to the book, and I quote, imagination even improves the motor coordination of, of our body. And if you rehearse, say for example, a, a dance step or, or another physical activity in your mind, you'll actually perform the task better. I am not a good dancer, but whenever I always imagine myself dancing, like for example, maybe the steps of um, Watch My Nene, that's quite old. I don't know what's the latest dance craze right now, but uh, whenever I think about it, and there is, again, a connection to my motor skills, and I could make it, right? Also, practice. And again, the same is true also, according to the book, the same is true for attaining personal goals. So the more often you imagine what you want, the more likely you are to achieve it. The authors also added that uh, you need to try to spend many hours a day engaged in the most intellectually challenging activities you can dream up. Hmm, what are the most intellectually challenging activities right now? Maybe you have a de debate, an argument about some social conflicts today, or um, the connection of faith and reason, or what's the best uh, solution to eradicate uh, corruption in the, the government. Things like those. Okay, now, We need to engage more in those intellectually challenging activities because... Um, because speedily intellectual reasoning, according to the book, helps you maintain a healthy brain, right? And also one that I highly suggest as a literature teacher, one way to stay intellectually active is to read books, fiction or non-fiction, it doesn't matter. Just read books. I don't know if people still read today because of the advent of social media, of the internet, but I still highly encourage you, my dear listeners, especially to my students, I would always say this, that read books, read books, whether it's a novel, a short story, as long as you're reading, you practice your brain, exercise your brain through reading. Okay, that's one of my advocacies, uh, literacy and the love for reading. But anyway, um, one, also, one thing about the book also uh, mentioned is that uh, doing math exercises and crossword puzzles apparently doesn't help. And that's according to them. That's not mine. Anyway. And I think I would also agree to that because as a person who... A literary person, I am not good in numbers. So, thank God for this. I'm not downplaying math or math teachers. It's just that in my personal preference, I just don't like numbers. And may, I think some of you could relate to that. But again, uh, the book, the research suggests that uh, you must engage into any wide variety of sophisticated and challenging intellectual activities. But just make sure that uh, your intellectual pursuits are enjoyable, okay? The book also added that, and I quote, Engaging in religious and spiritual issues and problems will also stimulate brain function. Reading scriptures, reflecting on meaning, discussing issues with friends, and seriously thinking about the deepest issues facing humanity are outstanding ways of activating complex circuits in your brain. End of quote. So there, why not talk about 
your struggles in your faith, uh, your issues with your family, with your friend, with a, someone you trust, because these are practices that would exercise our intellectual capacities. Okay? There you go. So that's the seventh best way to exercise your brain. And that is stay intellectually active. Or you might want to listen to my podcast if you want to stay intellectually active. You might want to consider that. And now we go to the sixth best way to exercise your brain. And according to the book, the sixth best way to exercise your brain is to consciously relax. And what do you mean by that? Consciously relax. You know, in our culture today, we are now in the stress culture. And more young people are getting stressed even in school works. What do you mean by consciously relax today? It doesn't mean actually to just take a nap or just sit on your sala, on your, on your sofa and binge watch. Uh, K-dramas or whatever. According to the book, and I quote, Consciously relax means to deliberately scanning each part of your body to reduce muscle tension and physical fatigue. End of quote. The book also added that repetitive activities and meaningful activities can also take you into a state of relaxation. And uh, the author suggests that um, one ritual or practice is praying the rosary. Yes, it could re- relax you. Why not try that one? In our school, we always, always say this one to our students, bring your rosary and pray the rosary. We don't just pray the rosary during the Marian month, in the month of October. That, uh, again, um, those repetitive Hail Marys makes you feel relaxed. That's actually one way to look at it. We repeat those prayers to calm ourselves down and to relax. And also, uh, the book also added that Uh, Many other religious and spiritual practices calm the mind and allow the brain to rejuvenate and even activities like, for example, knitting will have a similar relaxing effect. Uh, As for me, uh, one way to relax myself down other than reading is that I usually usually draw. Okay? Uh, And one one of the things that I I love in drawing is the this kind of art called typography and I am a big fan to that kind of art typography because it relaxes me down whenever I I use letters to form a figure it's quite relaxing okay and, and for me it's uh, one one way to distress it makes me feel relaxed and uh, let me also add that uh, again these are the words of the authors and I quote relaxation does much more than relieve bodily tension. It interrupts the brain's release of stress-stimulating neurochemicals. And stress is the number one killer. <laughs> stress, yes, you've heard it right. Uh, more and more young people today are getting stressed. Sad to hear that. And 
yeah, we are stressed people nowadays probably because of our lifestyle again, the way we live our lives and stress again is a big factor why our brain is slowing down okay so uh again if you want to exercise your brain you want to have a healthy brain the sixth best way is to consciously again the word is consciously relax purposely um, give yourself a time to relax and if you may, if you really want to, to, to relax, and not just to relax in a selfish way, but to, to relax with God. Why, not, why don't you do that? Anyway, because God, um, who always, God is a God who gives himself always. And why not also give our time to God? Well, as Jesus said in, in the Gospels, he said, he invites all of us always okay, to come to me. All of you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Why don't you consider that? Why don't you rest with Jesus? <sighs> that yawn was intentional because the fifth best way to exercise your brain and this is for me the most surprising thing in this book you know the fifth best way it is actually to yawn i have always thought of yawning as a sign of stress of fatigue of uh, being sleepy well the book mentioned that but again uh According to this neuroscientist, yawning is actually the best kept secret in neuroscience. And this was, this was mind-boggling for me because yawning has a stigma, especially in, as a teacher in the classroom. And uh, also the book mentioned this one and I'm quite guilty of this. But anyway, uh, according to, to the book, that uh, yawning evokes a unique neural activity in the areas of the brain that are directly involved, guess what, in generating social awareness and creating feelings of empathy. The book also added that yawning should be integrated into exercise and stress reduction programs, cognitive and memory enhancement training, psychotherapy, and contemplative spiritual practice. Now I have a deeper understanding and a complete different view of yawning. Because again, uh, yawning, especially when you do that in public, there is again a stigma about it. But reading the results of uh, this study of this book is, is actually mind-boggling. Yes. Uh, and uh, to prove that yawning is... an effective so effective and important to functioning of our brain uh, the book the, the writers of this book actually had what 34 yawn related studies he, he, he the writers cited 34 yawn related studies and if you want to know more about those papers you can go to pubmed.gov okay okay so again uh, the, the writer was very insistent that yawning has a positive effect 
to to us into our brain to, into the exercise of our of our brain uh, oh, i have i remember one time in my class and one one student yawned and again uh, because of the stigma that yawning is mm, a negative way of you know, especially if you are in a class it's very it's quite disrespectful but upon reading this one i felt guilty because i reprimanded that student and based on this book and i quote uh, yawning doesn't just relax you it quickly brings you into a heightened state of cognitive awareness students yawn in class not because the teacher is boring Although that will make you yawn as well as you try to stay focused on the monotonous speech of the teacher. I hope I'm not that one. But because it rids the brain of sleepiness. Thus, helping you stay focused on important concepts and ideas. It also regulates consciousness and our sense of self and helps us become more introspective and self-aware. I didn't know that we can be more introspective when we do yawn. But again, this discovery, and this result, and this study about yawning is completely uh, different to the view of yawning that I have learned before. Again, because of the stigma. But upon reading this book, it brought a, another level of meaning and understanding why yawning is an important aspect of exer exercising our brain. And... Uh, again, uh, the book also ad added some some facts about yawning. It said that uh, dogs yawn before attacking, Olympic athletes yawn before performing, and fish yawn before they change activities. Evidence even exists that yawning helps individuals on military assignment perform their tasks with greater accuracy and ease. So indeed, yawning may be one of the most important mechanisms for regulating the survival-related behaviors in mammals. So if you want to maintain an optimally healthy brain, it is essential that you yawn. End of quote. There. Uh, why don't you practice yawning right now? Okay? And uh, let me just share to you the 12 essential reasons to yawn according to the writers number one it stimulates alertness and concentration number two optimizes brain activity and metabolism number three improves cognitive function number four increases memory recall number five enhances consciousness and introspection number six lowers stress Number seven, relaxes every part of your body. Number eight, improves voluntary muscle control. Number nine, enhances athletic skills. Number ten, fine-tunes your senses, your sense of time. Number eleven, increase empathy and social awareness. And number twelve, enhances pleasure and sensuality. Wow, there are twelve essential reasons why we need to yawn and we need to completely... Uh, forget the stigma that we got about yawning and even the the, the writer even advise that advises that you know, yawn as many times a day as possible when you wake up when you're confronting a difficult problem at work 
uh, when you are stressed in your work right now, if you're a teacher or if you're a student and you are burdened with many school activities, why don't you practice yawn? Okay? Um, or yawn when you're going to sleep and whenever you are angry or when anxiety or stress is in the highest level, yawn. Right? Yawn. Okay? Um, and again, uh, this is quite a surprise, but <sighs> yes, we need to yawn. And when you do that, you are giving yourself a treat. So, yawn. So that's it for today's episode. I will share to you the, the other four ways to exercise your brain. So the second part will be coming soon. So watch out for the other four. Thank you for listening. Why, why don't you leave a comment or, or follow me or rate or write a review. That would help a lot in this podcast. This is Jay again. Thank you for listening. And watch out for the other four ways to exercise your brain. Enjoy! Enjoy!